Hey guys, welcome to Closure Optional. My guest today is Melina Young. She is a Muay Thai fighter and the owner of Nationally Registered Fighters Australia, which uh, is a business that she invented while she was fighting when she realized that it was really hard for fighters to get matched on shows and for promoters to, good f to find good fighters that wanted to fight on their shows and for gyms to get their fighters out there. This is probably my favorite conversation so far. Um, we talk all kinds of shit about what it's like to be a person, what it's like to crumble under your own fear, and how your past life experiences or your attachments to those things can impact your ability to be a rational human, making good decisions in the future. We started this podcast by me reading a little excerpt of this book that I'm working on to Melina and then uh, just kind of dived right into the conversation. So if it seems like we go from nothing to having a full-on conversation, that is exactly what happened. Um, if you're interested in hearing that little excerpt, I did record myself reading it. I just didn't keep it in the podcast because it didn't seem relevant. And um, if it's got any value, I might put it up on the show notes. So that'll be there. Um, and you'll have to forgive my slightly huskier than usual voice. I think I've got a bit of a cold and it's made me sound, you know, slightly more transgender than I should. Either way, the conversation's a really good one, so I hope you guys enjoy it. Here it is. It's tough because I don't want to over-explain it too much. I still want the person like that's reading it to be able to get a feel for, like, be able to think their way yep. through it themselves. Mm. So I don't know if I'm... Because in a way, like I, what I was thinking the very end there, I was like, well, how do I stop putting on 10 other mitts? Yeah. I wanted you to tell me how to. <laughs> well, shit, yeah. I mean, that's the whole point of the book. Yeah. And that's where I go from there. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Mm. I know. How do you stop? How do you stop protecting yourself when the past you've been hurt? Yep, exactly. And that's 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 the, the big question because, you know, it stops you from doing so much or stops me from doing so much stuff because of what's happened in the past. I know, and, and it's like that we literally just accept, whether consciously or subconsciously, mm. these ideas about who mm. we are. And then when anything in real life contradicts with what we think we are, we are or should be, you've got two options. You've always got two options. Like either you challenge that belief and be something different than you think you are, or whether consciously or subconsciously, you just follow the same path. Mm. So it's a matter of just, I guess, what, taking action. So like say you've got, I don't know, use an example, like you've got two pathways you could go, the way people think you should be or you think people think you should be mm. or the other way, which is what you actually want to do. And you get to that kind of, I guess, fork. And that's where I say I'll struggle, you know, if, yeah. you know, at that fork I've got the 10 oven mitts on kind of thing. Yeah. You know, but you're so scared so you go down the pathway of which where you're used to, you're comfortable in what you think, okay, this is what people think I should do. To, to get to that other path, it's just a matter of just ripping them off and going and doing it. Yes. Well, it's, yeah, the only reason you, the only reason, first of all, that you can only see two paths and the only reason you'd ever take the one that's not the one you want is because you're, you're scared. Mm. And like the, this idea of you having a sense of self that tells you, like that narrows it even down to two paths is you again having a historical belief about what you're capable of and what you should do. Mm. And like what you said before is really interesting. Like when you said it's not, um, like, it's not really what people expect of you. It's what you think people expect yes. of you. Yeah. And that's a, that's a whole nother layer of insecurity. Isn't it? Because mm. it's crazy because it's not, no one gives a fuck. Mm. And we've talked about this before. Like, the um, this idea in psychology is called the spotlight effect. Mm. And it is that you, everybody else thinks that everyone else is staring at them. 
while everyone else is worried about being stared at. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so no one is looking at fucking anyone. Yeah. No one cares about anybody else. We are all so concerned. Like, here's an example for me that's so tangible is when I'm teaching, like, because I teach the classes and I do PTs with people, I'm so concerned that I'm doing a good job for my own sake so I don't lose my clients or so that I don't, like, let my bosses down, you know, or what, let the people down in the gym. Mm. It's more so that I appear good than it is that I care that they're having a good time. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fucked, you know? It's like, because it, it, there's so many people that talk to me like, oh, isn't it rewarding? You're a teacher. It like, must yeah. be so cool watching people, helping people change. And the amount that people change when they're around me is so cool. Like, people mm. really are learning a fucking skill. Like, I teach in the beginner program. is amazing. People yeah, that's cool. walk in the door, mm. have never done anything, and then all of a sudden, after six weeks, they can do it. Yeah. But the whole time, I'm just sitting there going, don't be a fuck up. Don't be a fuck up. <laughs> I don't give a shit about them learning. Yeah. I mean, I do. I know what you mean. Yeah, like, yeah, I, wanna be, yeah. I, I want them Did to Did you hear learn. that I run for a PT clients? <laughs> yeah. No, no, please stay with me. Stay with me. I need but them. I need to look good. <laughs> but yeah, like. It's the same as I, I put that down to shadow boxing. I used to say that to people that are new to the gym um, when we used to do, when I did the buddy sessions with them as well, like the beginner things. Um, and they are so like, cause I knew, I knew how it felt to be new to shadow sparring. And when you're doing it, you think everybody is looking at you, but they're so concerned, like exactly what you said, that everyone's looking at them, that they're only looking at themselves going, I want to make sure I'm doing it right. Or I'm not even going to do it at all. I'm going to look over here and yes. I'm going to face this way. Cause they're all looking at me, but everyone's doing the exact same thing. It's like, yes. I always everyone's... said to them, like everyone seriously is concentrating on their own thing. They're not even looking around. No. Maybe unless you mean I'm judging everyone. No, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unless you're just an asshole. Like <laughs> yeah. taking extra long to wrap your hands so yeah. that you can watch yeah, the judge. Right. Okay, at least I don't look that bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But those those people like those people exactly are the ones that have got the most problems. Those mm. are the ones that have got the most solidified ego that have got no hope of mm. crawling out of their own hole. You know, like anyone that would sit there and judge everybody else's shadow sparring are yeah. the ones that Neither. Especially if they don't know how to do it. Yeah, yeah. man. And that's that thing. This, is, I think, is an amazing concept. Is And it was probably, Muay Thai was one of the best things that helped me do it, was to realize, like, the truth about exactly where you are is so important for your own personal growth, but also for your own relaxation and, to, and forgiveness. So, like, when I first started training... And maybe after three months or something, I was like, oh, shit, yeah. I, like, I'm hitting pads good. I feel really good. I think I'm cool. And I got had a video of me, like someone videoed me, and then I watched it later. And it, oh, my God, it's just <laughs> sickening. You know what I mean? Like, you see videos of people who do Muay Thai, and then you do it, and you're like, oh, Jesus, fuck. <laughs> like, that's not, even, that's not even remotely related. <laughs> Whatever I was doing was so bad. And then... And then you look at it, and, and the only, like, you have to deal with that horrible, hot shame for a minute and just yeah. sit there... But the shame would be so much worse if I had taken that video and, like, didn't look at it, but, like, just put it out on the internet and was like, hey, guys, this is my new boxing video, you know, and it's just, like, blasted it out, sent it to promoters. We're like, I'm ready to fight on eruption, <laughs> you know, just, like, because, like, that absolute lack of self-awareness of where you're mm. at is what causes – Shane was talking about on, a, on the last podcast. He was like, you need an element of delusion in order to try because you have to have enough yeah, right. stupidity or enough, like, hopes for grandeur that you'll push through that. Like those, those singers that turn up on Australia's Got Talent and they really yeah. can't sing. <laughs> yeah. Well, exactly. So you need, you, need, you need to be able to, like, think you're good enough to at least put, go yeah. into the gym, yeah. right? You need to at least show up. Or at least not even think you're good enough but to at least think you've got what it takes to even start. Right. 
But I think having an awareness of exactly where you are right now, mm. even if it hurts to see that you suck, is so much mm. better for you. And it actually just completely allows you to relax because mm. it's like, oh, this is where I am. I don't mm. need to be anything else. I don't need to like try. The, just runs an example, which I, I told you about yesterday, the day before, I think, where how I was saying, so I've had a year off flight training yeah. and then I've been so concerned about coming back to class now after having, you know, 10 months away from the gym anyway and then I kept continually telling people, oh, I'm so unfit, oh, I'm so unfit and then I'm complaining about the training, not complaining about the training but complaining when I'm training that, I, oh, God, I'm so tired, I'm yeah. breathing really heavy and but the thing is in reality I'm actually not even tired, I'm not even pushing hard, I should be tighter than I really am. But yeah. I'm so used to saying it because I'm so worried at everyone judging me going that I should be what I was when I left. Yes. I go and kick the pads and people would be like, oh, my God, she's got fat. Yeah. But then when you said it, you actually said that to me the other day about, you know, you just, you be, you are what you are right now. Right. That was such a load off me. I walked into the gym the next day and I was like, you know, give a fuck what, <laughs> I don't give a shit if I can't kick the pads like I used to, like. Give a shit. It doesn't matter. I don't have to be able to do 500 loads of 10 and 10 no, kicks and be able to do it fast. And because, yeah, because your disassociation exactly is what caused your suffering. It's mm. like and it's any any time you like get all this weird like off the track of truth. And it's the same thing when you're like, I mean, just having a lie. Everybody knows when you're consciously lying to somebody else how bad that feels. Mm. When you're unconsciously lying to yourself, your psyche even has a way of telling you that it's not right. You get anxious. You, feel, mm. you hear yourself saying things and you're like, what the fuck am I talking yeah. about? And especially when it's you so say it over and over too, like, you know, yeah. like I was doing, you know, I'd been saying that. I'd been saying it pretty much for the whole 10 months that I've been away. So even when I was traveling and I'd do a random class here and wow. there, I was saying the same thing, conditioning myself going, you're unfit, you're unfit, you're unfit. Yeah. You know, and that. To the point where I'm just, I just believe it. Yeah. But if I stop saying it and just did the class without even pretending that I'm tired, I'm pretty sure I can at least do the class. Like not to the level I used to, but I can still do it. Yeah. Like I don't know why it's. But that's it. It's not to the level you're used to. That's all yeah. it is. And it's, and this is an odd thing too about like um, the the highs and lows of human experience is that we always like, we're always reaching for heights, right? You're always looking for mm. your potential. But once you get there, it's inevitable that there will be another side of it. Yeah. And we're always, we're always like seeking that one potential or that, you know, that like time I was so good looking in high school or I was the <laughs> you, whatever. You hear like grandma saying it. Yeah. <laughs> you hear everybody mm. always is holding on to that thing where they've perceived to be the height of their potential. But mm. the, the different objective really should be, in my opinion, and this is what um, I think I'm coming to this realization through writing this book or through whatever my daily experiences are, is that, it's like our task to figure out how to be as close to honest with ourselves in every single minute about everything all the time. God, that's hard. Oh, so hard. So hard. <laughs> but but that's an infinite like goal, really. Mm, isn't like it? there's no end to the amount of bullshit that you tell yourself. Yeah. <laughs> so you can never get you can never reach your potential with that. Like mm. I always say this to people about Muay Thai, like it's such a hard sport that you literally are probably never ever going to be perfect. No, because and there's well, always I was someone better. Learning the other night. Uh, Leonie and I were saying like how, you know, when you f think you're unfit when you're fit in training, yes. you just you can never get to that peak of fitness. You're like, I'm, I'm still not fit enough. I'm still not fit enough. Yet you are way before you started that yeah. fight camp. Yeah. But you never think you're fit enough. It's yeah. Like there's endless. There is an endless height to reach. Mm. And it's the same thing with this, like being honest. 
with yourself, with mm. everything, with what you're trying to do, with every activity you do in the day, you know, and doing your best. Like, it's just as, as simple as doing your best. Like, knowing what the right thing is, looking for the right thing, and then doing right by everything mm. constantly. Like, you literally could never do that enough. Mm. So instead of, like, and, and I've been trying to work on this when writing kind of these, like, diet guidelines or, or you know, like, nutritional plans or whatever for my clients. It's this or goals or whatever they're trying to work towards. It's like, it's not about, oh, I just want to lose 10 kilos. I'm getting married at the end of the year. And it's like, yeah, that's a that's a worthy goal, I guess, because your body is going to operate better if you're 10 kilos lighter. Mm. But at the end of the day, in two years, you're going to be 20 kilos heavier. Mm. And then what, you want to lose 10 kilos then, and then you're going to go on this big journey. And it's cool to have that little accomplishment, but it's you're mm. always chasing a goal that is transient in nature anyway and mm. it's never going to satisfy you what's what you're w- worried about with that 10 extra kilos is not the 10 kilos mm. you're worried about how you feel about yourself about yep. your own relation to your potential about how other people feel about mm. you if someone's going to love you because you're too fat to be loved mm-hmm. <laughs> I wonder who said that <laughs> <laughs> I molly mean, i'm looking at you yeah. <laughs> that cat wishes he wasn't so fat <laughs> but that's the thing man like we have these irrational mm. justifications for why we feel the way we feel because, number one, we just need to explain ourselves to ourselves yes. sometimes. But two, it's hard and painful to acknowledge that you haven't done right by yourself. Yeah, for sure. And it's funny because, you know, a lot of the times when I, tr- I think, in inverted commas, that I'm being honest with myself, there's that little voice in the back of my head that I know. Oh, my God. Yes, <laughs> you, know you always know. Like, and you know, but then you try and convince yourself that that's the truth. No, that's that's how I feel. Yes. That's it. I'm doing this or this is, you know, this is what I think. No, this is what I think. Shut up, brain. This is what <laughs> I think, you know. <laughs> yes, man. That's the truth. Mm. That voice in you, and people have called it like the in- your intuition mm. or whatever, and sometimes people call it God or Jesus. Schizophrenia. Or, or, <laughs> or schizophrenia. <laughs> the many voices we have. Yeah, exactly. That voice... I think 100% is the same truth. Mm. It's the thing that's calling you to find your potential. It's the same thing that's calling you to find real love with people Mm. or like real genuine connection to your own life. Anytime you get off of that track, that voice is in the back of your head going, Mm. all right, fucking we'll see how long it takes for you to come back. (laughs) Go. But what's what's difficult is like I don't know how to actually action that voice. So you hear it and you know it's – Right. That's your little voice, but you're still there convincing yourself that this other this other thing is, is the right way to do yeah. be or say or hear or think or whatever. And then to even like go to like again, that's probably that fear thing where it's like, Oh well I'm, I'll just quieten that voice and Why are you afraid of it, do you think? Like what do, what do you I think, think makes you afraid of it? Sometimes I th- I think <laughs> I think it's wrong. Like it's not Yeah, you don't trust it. Yeah, I don't yeah, that's it. I don't trust it because I feel like I feel like it's going to try and sabotage me somehow. Like it's going to be like, I'm trying to think of an example. You like, know you know, don't do this. And then I'll go, yeah, but if I don't do it, you, you're just going to be like, ha ha, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm like, tricking myself. Nelson is your truth. <laughs> <laughs> your intuition is actually yeah. just Nelson. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so shit. <laughs> God for me. (laughs) 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 Well, yeah, no wonder you're fucked up. No, No, seriously. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's interesting, man. That's crazy. Yeah, well, that's your ego. Like that, 
more or less, I guess, like the, the voice of truth kind of knows what the right thing is. And then your protection mechanisms, are, I yeah. guess, are like yourself is, is going to try and justify why you mm. want what you want. But a lot of times that's because you want some gratification. Usually yes, the yes. voice is the thing telling you to like wait or yes. think about it. or 100%. That makes more sense. Yeah. And, and a lot of times you'll justify it because you'll be like, wait, no, I should be taking action. I'm supposed yeah. to take action, so I'm just going to do this. Yeah. And even what, no, the voice is like, come on, man, you know full well that yeah. that's not the right thing. I, I think I find that voice a lot when this is the time when I do listen to it, when I let so many things go, like, I don't know, an argument with somebody or somebody's wrong about something and I just kind of go, ah, it's not really not worth it. I kind of just let it go. Yeah. Because I feel like that to go down the other path, the only reason I would be doing it is for the gratification of going, oh, yeah, you're right, someone yeah. telling me I'm right, or me being able to point out somebody's wrong to be right yes. kind of thing. So I, I tend to take that path. I guess I listen to Nelson then <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because <laughs> we've got a name for it now. Yeah. Um, because I, I'd i rather just be like, what's what, what's that going to achieve other than me being right? Like, Yeah. Mm. So you have – and the difference, I think, between – so you're saying that it's hard for you to listen to that voice or whatever, like, how do I do it? But the difference between what you're describing right there is that you have enough self-awareness to differentiate the two voices mm. in most circumstances. So you've been able to, like, figure out a way to identify that voice in um, one circumstance, which is about being right. Yeah. Because it's not a value that you hold really yeah, right. high, yeah. right? So it's like, because there are some people that wouldn't see that voice in that circumstance because mm. they have to be right. They always have to point it out. Yeah. yeah. They always have to be the one. And then there's, there's like, there's other people that always have to be the funniest one in the room. Yeah. You know, and like, so they'll find themselves like always playing the clown and always trying. And yeah. this is me too. Like I was I'm just about to say me too. Like it's, I find that, that difficult sometimes when I'm having conversations with people, I'm not actually even engaging in the conversation all I'm thinking about is what's funny about what they said yeah so yeah. the top of my head is always that and you know people will say I'm quick-witted but really I'm probably more ignorant than quick-witted because I'm not actually paying attention I'm just thinking about what's funny about it yeah when you're trying to like you're trying to be the character yeah in the in the exchange rather than yes. just connecting to somebody else yeah. exactly yeah perfect yeah shit yeah and mm. we're all like that I mean because that's the thing that's that's me teaching my clients I want to be there connecting to my clients but yeah. most of the time I'm actually just in there going be good be good yeah be good. yeah and not be good for them be good for me <laughs> yeah yeah because yeah. <laughs> I want to be a good PT mm. I don't want to lose my clients or whatever which is fucking crazy mm. because really what I'm what's actually good about me and and you actually pointed this out to me the other day, and I didn't really, I've never really realized this about myself, is my ability to, like, let people just relax and have fun mm. with me. And and it is because I'm that, it, it's that self-aware of my own stupidity, I guess, that, like, I know when that voice comes up and tells me that I need to be right or whatever, I'm the same as you, that I'll be like, oh, that's not important. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Yeah. But I've got them in my, I've got them in my own many millions of different ways. Yeah. You know, where I get myself into trouble. Mm. But, so anyway, so it's not hopeless at all that Mm. you are, because you're thinking that it's, it's too hard to listen to that voice. It's not true at all. You know how to listen to the voice because you already, Mm. like you just said, you did. Yeah. I guess it's, it's not hard. It's scary. It's scary to listen to it and action it because I'd be like, oh. I don't know if it's as scary. Well, that's interesting that it's scary to you. For me, it it definitely feels a bit more like it's, um, I don't want (laughs) to. You know, like I'm like a brat kind of. Like (laughs) I'm like, I know that voice is right, but I'm like, no. Mm. I'm just going to keep doing this for a while. Like like, I'm like the... um, 
person that's destroying the rainforest. <laughs> <laughs> well, can you stop it? Animals are dying because of you, Lorna. <laughs> it's like I can't see that I'm killing the planet because mm. I'm too busy, like, gratifying myself. You're right, though. Like, it is a don't want to thing. So example being, I was just, it, it just made me think of is like, so when you're, when you're thinking about it, there's a guy, right, and then you're thinking about it and in your head you're making up all these scenarios of how good it is and, oh, they must like me or looking for yeah, these yeah. little signs. <laughs> yeah. And um, you've got that voice going, he's not interested. Yeah. He doesn't like you. <laughs> you can hear it, but you're there going, but, but I, I want to stay in this fantasy land and pretend like he does. You know, yes. It's, yes, it's that, Like you said, it's that like, well, I don't want it because this, this kind of feels good to make this up until it doesn't. Yeah, it feels super good to make this up until it actually like makes me feel completely wretched and heartbroken. And and that idea, I mean, we've talked about this a lot before, like holding on to the idea of someone who is just not giving you anything back and you're still holding on to the idea of it. It's like, where the fuck am I going with this? You know, I've spent an entire year or whatever, however long of my life thinking about one person when all of the other potential people to connect to are nowhere to be found because you are literally just sitting there in, in love with a fantasy. Yeah. And the, even if they were to there to be found, you wouldn't see them at all yeah. because you've just completely disconnected from anybody else. Yeah. And you're not, and, and you're not really aware. I, I had this experience when I was up in Darwin once. I, it was pretty funny. Like, so I didn't, just like, just realizing that I was destroying the forest, like the rainforest. Mm. Um, I didn't realize that I was destroying the rainforest until after this like realization came crumbling down on me. So basically what was happening was that I, um, I went up to Darwin and I was hanging out with this guy for um, three nights. Like I met him on my first night there. It was the first time I was sober for two months because I needed to take better care of myself. Got to Darwin and then was just a drunk mess for three mm. days in a row straight. And I met this guy the first night and we just like hit it off and he was he was awesome. Like he was just so cool. I really liked him. But again, that voice in the back of my head was like, he's not quite right for you. But I didn't I just was like so desperate for something to fix me because I was so fucking lost and drunk Mm. and fucked up and miserable and whatever. So I um I just needed him to fix me. So then I convinced myself that he was perfect. Um and then I got really shy. Because after three days of being drunk and fucked up and then also all oh, of a sudden I, mean, I realized yeah, yeah. I all, instead of being like cool and carefree and like, oh, this is a cool guy that I met, I decided in my head that he's perfect and mm. he's amazing and he's I'm not good Put enough. Put him up on a pedestal. Yeah. And so then all of a sudden I couldn't talk around him anymore. I couldn't relax. I was mm. like trying to look for signals, you know, just like look <laughs> for signs that he loved me or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, fuck, you've known him for three days and he'd been drunk for 90% <laughs> of the time. Like, how the <laughs> fuck would you know? And then... Um, <clears throat> and then... After it was over, it ended up really gross. He he was like hooking up with somebody else because obviously he'd known me for three days. So he was like hooking up <laughs> with somebody else and I was fucked up and I, I left. I went back to the mindset and I like, in order to feel good about having sex with a stranger, I basically invented this fantasy in my head that he really did like me. We were yeah. perfect for each other, but it was just the wrong place in the wrong time. Like somehow I really mangled that up in my head and got myself convinced. Isn't that but so easy to create? Yeah. Because, oh, but it's because of this. Yeah. 
And there was no feedback loop because yeah. I had moved, I was away. I was miles away. I was never going to see him again. So in my head, to make myself feel better about being such a fuck up and all the shame and embarrassment of like basically pouring my heart out to somebody, watching him look like, are you insane? And then him like <laughs> going to make out with somebody else. Yeah. I, uh, to deal that with was, that. That was sane. <laughs> yeah, that was a normal person probably. <laughs> then I, in order to deal with that, I invented for a month a fantasy that mm. this person loved me. Then here's where the feedback loop happened when I realized that I was actually fucking destroying the planet was that I, um, I got moved back to Darwin. I had to go back to Darwin. Mm. So I had invented this fantasy about this person. I was never going to see them again. So it just became this like beautiful memory of yeah. love. It was this brilliant romantic love for three days. And that was all it was. And woohoo. And then I was like, um, oh, fuck, I've got to move back to Darwin. I am guaranteed to see this guy. <laughs> so I've got to tell, tell him that I'm coming. So that he doesn't think I'm stalking him. And also, in my stupid little heart, I'm going, but maybe if I go back, he'll be in love with me. Yeah. So I write him a message. He's like, yeah, cool. It'd be great to see you. And I was like, oh, he does love me. Yeah. <laughs> so I just like ignited this love. And I was like, I invented this story. Like, oh, my God, I was just I was just silly. I was paranoid. Of course he loves me. This is all going to work out. Yeah. Went and saw him. We spent uh, the night walking along the beach together. He took me out to dinner. And then over dinner, he goes... So I don't like you. <laughs> Just <laughs> like that. Out, <laughs> like I'm not into you at all. Like you seem cool enough or whatever. You but has like, your entree. Yeah. <laughs> and so just so you know, like we can't, this is not a thing. And I was like, oh, yeah, cool. What? what? Yeah, isn't yeah. that good how you do that too? Like, yeah. oh, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. I was like, obviously. Oh, <laughs> what idiot would think anything else? Yeah, I'm like, obviously, I don't even know you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Such an asshole. And then I left and just cried for days. Yeah. And it was like. I, what I realized that I was crying and really grieving the loss of this thing. It wasn't him because I didn't fucking know the guy. What mm. I grieved was this entire and crazy, insane, imaginary future that I invented. Yeah. So to end that ridiculously long-winded story, the whole point of what I was trying to get at was that I thought that it was harmless to invent a fantasy. Yes. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it actually caused me like that was the pain, so mm. much pain and mm. struggle, and it w it took away maybe two months of my life. I know, doesn't it? And it, you sit there and go, I fucking wasted that much of my time thinking about that shit. Yeah, I know. And it's it, it's so obvious. It's really obvious when someone likes you and when they don't. Like well, that, it really what, is. It's see, that was what that little voice tells me. Mm. If he liked you, you would know it. Mm -hmm. If he liked you, he would make take action on it. Not yeah. going, oh, no, but it's because he this or this or that. He's, he's self-conscious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah, a little yeah. bit, oh, a little he's bit shy. He's <laughs> <laughs> that one all the time. Oh, you know, maybe because, you know, he's sick of girls coming up to him. So, you know, I'll do it. But I won't do it because, you know, I, yeah. I shouldn't. Oh, but. It's so dumb. And our friends too, like when you typically think about like women friends, it's just the fucking worst. Sitting around being like, oh, okay, so wait, what did he mean by that text? Yeah, wait, I let's know. read it again. It's like, no, you know what? He might be. He's just probably a little bit tired. Yes. And then and it's that's, like, that's oh. like, I hate that about oh. when I have conversations with my friends and they're like, then they'll tell, well, tell me the story about where you're up to with X Man. Yeah. And then you go and say, and then they do the same thing because they start reigniting that fantasy that you've made up. Yeah. But in but your little voice then starts to argue back, and you say it out loud, like, no, 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 it's not happening. He doesn't like. Oh, but maybe. And you're like, come on, I just can't just spend this long getting over it. Oh Don't fuck, I know. Tell me that it's something again now, and then you go home after you've told them no, to then go back into fantasy land and go, well, maybe. 
pink hits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because they think so. And then all of a sudden you're like allowed to open that yeah. door again. But this is an interesting thing. It, like the simple fact that we do it isn't necessarily that surprising because like obviously you just want you want to be happy or whatever. Yeah. But what I think is really interesting is like why why we're so invested in mm. a fantasy that's opposed to, like that's so far off of our normal truth like why is it that we need that so much yeah and why is it that some people need it more than others and the fact that you can invest and put so much energy into that rather than putting so much energy into the side that isn't the fantasy that is reality yeah to then maybe go into the path that you want to ultimately end yeah. up in instead of like the truth, whichever the true yeah. path is. Yeah, like whatever the true option is. Why would you? Why do we want to spend time inside a fantasy? It's weird. And I think it's because, um, like, again, we've got that addiction to potentiality. Mm. Like, because mm. we really want to feel infinite potential all the time. Mm. But it's, it's not tangible. As soon as you feel potential, you know, like it, he's reached his potential. You have you heard of people say yeah. like that they peaked in high school or yes. whatever? Yeah, they peaked too early. People say it in um, in Muay Thai. Oh, sure. They're at their peak. Oh, okay. Oh, they're at their peak now, so they they think that that people have a certain level in their fight career. Oh, they need to get as many fights as they can now because they they've he or she has really reached her peak. She's at her peak. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So exactly. So we have this like. So we have this idea of what we're capable of that caps at a certain point. Like, oh, you've reached your potential. That's it. But re- potential is unlimited to an extent, but not necessarily down every individual path. Yes. Yep. So I think that like when we reach maybe the end of our potential in one path, we start seeking it in others. Or if we've cut off our our options by hiding under protection or fear, we start seeking it in fantasy mm. options. Because the pain of reality that you're not at your potential or that you've reached your potential or you've passed it is sometimes too hard to deal with. So you look for other potentialities mm. that aren't that, that can't hurt you. Because mm. I kind of think that there is no such thing as reaching your potential because it's not that you've reached your potential. Perhaps you've, you've got to the end of that journey mm. as far as you want. You're interested in, to take it because let's take fighting as an example, you know, you've reached your potential, but if you still love it and you still want to do it, you'll do it. You'll keep on fighting. Yeah. You haven't, you haven't reached your potential. You've, yeah, there's just, no you've such got thing. to a point where you're like, well, that's all I've got to, for myself to give. And when people say you've reached your potential, maybe it's because they've got to the end of when, when they actually want to keep on doing it. So maybe their level of interest in the, in, in the sport kind of thing. Like, I don't know if people have a potential. Well, they have a potential as far as external goals are concerned. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So, like, yeah, you can only win so many championship belts or whatever before your knees give out on you. Yeah. But, you know, like, so that that is a thing. Like, when we put tangible markers on what the best is, you can only go so far as mm. far as that is concerned. But you're right. Like, if you want to fight because you want to fight and you enjoy fighting and you keep fighting, whether you win or lose or whatever happens, from the eyes of everybody else, yeah, they could be like, oh, well, she's don't know what she's still fighting for. She keeps losing. Mm. But in you, it could be like, I'm just loving every experience of this and mm. I'm still growing. Yeah. But then, so this is where it always gets fucking tricky is that you could be like, because your brain's so smart at creating reasons why you do things. Like you could still be fighting through when you're probably in danger of getting hurt or whatever. You're getting too old or you're getting too slow or whatever it is. You could still be fighting because you think now that fighting defines you, and if you stop, yeah. you don't know how to live. Yeah, and that's where this shit gets really tricky because 
exactly like you said before, in, in the examples we had before, there was a really clear line, a distinction between what the truth is and what is not the truth. Because you've got one voice telling you, you know he doesn't like you. And the other voice is going, oh, but I like the fantasy. Mm. So those two, in those two worlds, it's really easy to see the difference. Mm. But where fighting is concerned, and this is where I'm at right now, is like, which voice is telling me to fight and which yeah. voice is telling me to stop fighting? I can't actually tell the difference between them right yeah. now. Yeah, 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 good one. Because, yeah, it, it's, so, it's so blurred because you wouldn't know because... <laughs> Because mm. fighting is a scary thing, so like, there's always doubt. There's always like shit in your head that's going like, "Oh, you're not, mm. you're not good enough." You know, we've talked about this heaps before. Like the idea that you wish you get hit by a bus right before you fight. <laughs> you know, it's like maybe not a bus. I've always thought a car. Yeah, like a car. Like so, you just get a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> but not get a bit of a limp. <laughs> yeah, and I, and that was exactly me leading up to this last fight. Was I was just like thinking, "Fuck, I I don't know that this is what I want." And every mm. morning I was waking up being like, "Come on." All you're doing is facing resistance. You're mm. having a, you've got a good fight ahead of you. You're just facing resistance. That's all it is. And then I got hurt, and it was like two simultaneous emotions. One was like disappointment, and the other was relief. Mm. And then immediately following after that was guilt at feeling both of those two things. Yeah, right. Because I couldn't tell which version of me I was letting mm. my... I couldn't tell what side of me I was letting down. Like, mm. am I letting down the side that's seeking potential or am I letting down the side that keeps telling me to stop fighting because I want to pursue my artwork or my mm. writing or whatever the fuck it is? Like, there's one side of me that really wants to achieve something meaningful in my life and then there's this other side of me mm. that keeps rolling with momentum and fighting is meaningful if you yeah. go at it with the right intention. That's right, yeah. For sure it is. Like, yeah. there's nothing wrong with being a fighter if you really are doing it for your own personal mm. growth. And I think my, all for, my first seven, eight fights, I definitely went at it mm. like, fuck, how can I be better? How can, and, and just better in myself. Yeah. And having that experience and having that cool, like, amazing connection mm. with your trainers and your body, it's just fucking, there's nothing really that compares to mm. it. But then I think my, the reason why I was doing it started changing mm. because I don't know. It does. And that's, and I guess that's where I got to the point when I retired and it was because I, mm. that little voice was probably for the last maybe five fights every year I'd go, Oh, this is, this will be my last fight. Oh, this year will be my Me last too. fight. Then I have another one. And then I'm like, you know, I'm back up to loving that feeling. And it got to the point, I think for me, where it was like, I knew because I was coming into training and the first thing on my mind was, well, the only thing on my mind was my business, how much this was cutting into my work time. And that was when I knew straight away I was like, that's this, my priorities are completely wrong. This is dangerous to be going into a fight if I'm, if I'm feeling this way. Um, So that's why I guess with my last fight, I made it sure it was one that was a fun fight. It wasn't something that, you know, was, it was so amazing experience was something I was going to remember forever. It wasn't something where I was going to go like, or obviously you're always going to get hurt. I wasn't going in there going, okay, this is something that's really important to me. I just yeah. wanted the experience. Yeah. And I guess from there it's like... That was a cool you, fight too. You listen to that voice, I guess, and then that's and it's sort of... Because that voice was always there. And like I was saying before, I was always quieting it going, no, 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 no. You know you want this. You know you want this. You love yes. it every single time. And then it, I would revalidate that other voice by fighting because I'd be back to, yes, this is awesome. I love it. It's so good. Yeah. And then I but guess that's the way I got over that was just go, you're just going to have to do it. And that's why I decided to record a, a 
video and put it to the public because that's not really me and I wouldn't normally have done something like that. Yeah. But I thought if I do this, I've put it out there and I've said it. So yeah, it, it makes you so commit. scary. Yeah. It makes you choose a path. Mm. Well, that's so interesting because for the same thing for you, it was that the voice that normally tells you not to fight is usually the voice of doubt. But it swapped for you. The voice that mm. that was telling you not to fight suddenly became the voice that was the right thing for you. Mm. So it's funny because you're the same and almost every fighter I've ever spoken to has the same thing where it's like you stop listening to that voice that tells you not to fight because we've conditioned ourselves That's to right, not so listen to it. You conditioned yourself to it. Yeah, yeah. Because it tells you all the time. Every single fight camp, it's always telling you that you shouldn't fight. Because I think I remember my third fight just before I was walking out into the ring and I can't remember who said it to me. Somebody had said it to me that, that I would have this thought and it came, you know, I had my gloves on, I was ready to go out and the first thing in my head was, what the fuck am I doing this for? Yes. Why, why would too. I want to do this? And because that person had told me, if as soon as you hear that voice, push it away and then I kind of created my own way to kind of push it away was by going, because you've trained hard for it, you fucking love it and this is so much fun. When are you ever going to get a chance to punch someone and, as hard as you want and they want you to? You <laughs> yeah, know? And actually I, so that's, want it. Exactly. Yeah. And so that, I used that mechanism from my third fight right up until my 20th to, to yeah. keep myself that, that away. But in a sense though, I think it kind of, um, what do you call it, numbed? that feeling too much for me, whereas it, some fights I had I felt nothing because I'd pushed it away so much Yeah, that I actually had no feeling and I was I went in there just so flat because I was just like, meh. Yes, man, both of the two fights that were my worst fights of all time were flat. Yeah. Not nervous, flat. Yeah. I was out the back sleeping, woke up, and I was like, oh, well, yeah. we are a gay old fight. Like, yeah. yeah I wasn't even excited. There was just nothing. It was... Yeah. Yeah, whereas my best fights have been when I've been so excited and it's been, like, the most fun because I know I'm enjoying it and this is what I've worked hard for and, yeah, you know, it's the reason I've just worked my ass off for four or six weeks. Isn't that interesting? Mm. Like, because that is, as even as abnormal as fighting is, the normal reaction to a really intense event is anxiety, excitement, nerves, jitters. That's the normal reaction. Like, the true, I guess if you can use the word true, reaction to that stimuli mm. the untrue reaction or the abnormal reaction is to be asleep or to be yeah. flat or like yeah i don't care and that's really funny because when i anytime you have like the you know like when you're trying to hide something you've always got the wrong you've got the wrong reaction to something whenever i'm really nervous i uh, yeah. i push my nerves down so so much to the point where i stop talking yeah i'm really quiet and i'm really like I yawn a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like I'm pretending like I don't care because it's like you, you're trying to convince yourself that you're not nervous or whatever. But really embracing that nervousness and getting like and being like, fuck, this is intense. Mm. Whatever I'm about to do is just fucking intense. Mm. And there's no there's no getting around it. It's just what it is. Yeah. Then you finally just relax. Somehow everything yeah. just melts away because you've and I think this is again that that feeling of being like completely connected to yourself is that all mm. of a sudden you've stopped trying to pretend like you're anything that you're not. You yeah. just are. So it's like, "Oh, good. It's like jumping into a bath of warm water. As soon as you have stopped pretending to be something other than you are, you just are." Yeah. And it's so relaxing. Yeah. Yeah. And the kind of people that you want to be around Usually, like, the ones that make you feel really magnetized and really excited to be around are the ones that, like, make you feel that it's okay to be you. Mm, for sure. As soon yeah. as you feel like you can stop, like, hiding who you are. Yeah. And my friend Tracy and I talk about this all the time because she, um, she, uh, a long time ago, she was 
saying, like describing to me the kind of boy that she wanted to be around. She's like, I'm not going to settle for anybody that isn't like this. And she was pretty much describing her brothers. Mm. And I was like, um, and not in an incestuous (laughs) way. I mean, it was, I was like, isn't that interesting? What is it that you like about your brothers? And we kind of like, we're drilling it down, trying to figure it out what exactly it was. And she's like, I just like the way I feel around them. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God. So what you're looking for isn't your brothers. What you're looking for is you. Mm. You want to be with someone who lets you be you and Mm. completely accepts you for you and you don't feel like you have to be anything different. Yeah. And that is, Mm. that's a real magic relationship Mm. because all the time, because you want to be with someone that challenges you. So you've got to like try a little bit hard, but at the same time, you just, if what we're all missing at the center of ourselves is that acceptance of ourselves. Yes. hundred percent. Yeah. And when you see it mirrored in somebody else and they accept you, it like finally gives you release. Like you're finally like, okay, just being you. Mm. And obviously, they're still going to hate you at some point. <laughs> Everybody does. <laughs> if you knew me as well as I knew me. <laughs> I'd hate me too. <laughs> but, mm. I mean, that's the thing. Like, my parents have been together fucking, I don't know, 40 years or something. And they hate each other sometimes. What is it, Marley? I think he's... Uh, he knows the time. Oh, it's food time. All right, well, just you go feed your cat. We're going to push pause for a second. <laughs> All right, we're back. Welcome back with a new beer. A new beer, a well-fed cat. Yes, make those jokes. I will <laughs> not say pussy. the P word. Oh, you, you'll say it. I'll say it. I know. We're and, just two lesbos with one pussy. <laughs> and one asparagus wee down. Oh, God. It's gnarly, isn't it? I can't. You were saying to me yesterday that people, you know people that say that they don't smell of asparagus pee. Yeah. It fucking stinks. But I think, as I was saying, I think they just don't want to admit it. Yeah. But I'm like, why? I just said it. <laughs> it's like, it's literally like just the weirdest chemical smell. What is that? What the I fuck have is no that? idea. It's, it's obviously yeah. It's it's probably some sort of chemical that you know, well not chemical. What do you call it? Compound that's in it or whatever. Yeah. That reacts weird when it's mixed with something in your stomach. It's fucking weird. <laughs> so weird. And I actually never noticed it until a friend of mine told me about it. And then I was like, oh yeah. I think I was about oh it would have been maybe twenty twenty one. Yeah. When he, when he mentioned it to me. And I guess maybe I wasn't eating a heap of asparagus at that stage. <laughs> Till we travelled overseas and me and my friend used to get asparagus soup like every day. It's we good. I love it. <laughs> yeah, gross. People come in the bathroom after just like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> oh, nothing. Just like asparagus. Is there any other food that does that same thing? Well, isn't um, there that story that pineapple makes jizz smell like? Oh, it just, it's like, supposed to taste good. Taste yeah. sweet. I think I've tested that theory. Have you tasted gross jizz? Yes, and it makes you gag. Yeah, man. (coughs) I I think it's to do with people's diet. Yeah. I do think that. Like, if they're not, like, a very healthy person, I think their jizz isn't great. (laughs) I wonder if if girls' vaginas taste bad if they don't eat well. Oh, well, I've heard guys say that some... Not to me. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) I'm younger than my guy friends, you know, but just be like, oh, my God, like, this girl was... Frank. And I'm like, oh, does that happen? Like, But do you know what? It's most of the time it's the guy's fault. Not the not that guy particularly's fault. But the reason why your vagina gets all smelly and fucked up is because there's foreign bacteria going into it. Normally yeah, they right. don't, like, the a girl's vagina just is a normal vagina, I think, most of the time. And then when they get weird shit put up inside there from <laughs> some, a guy, like, fucking them or whatever, they... 
or like weird, weird shit chairs. like a cactus or yeah, and, and like whatever the kitchen spoon, whatever's going in there. <clears throat> yeah, the old double ender. <laughs> but I wonder if it Google it. See if why does vagina smell weird? Like I wonder if it can be dietary though as well. Yeah, I wonder. It could. Mm. It, I'd say in the same way that jizz kind of tastes weird sometimes. Or I mean, obviously, I've never tasted it. But <laughs> yeah, I'm only just going from what weird. other people said. <laughs> yeah, read about <laughs> it. Got no idea. <laughs> I googled um, it. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, in the same way, I imagine that like your diet and your body co- composition would probably have an impact on it. But like when when it's like real gnarly and. And like extreme, like it's got a yeast infection, or there's something mm. fucked up. But then on again, it. I was just thinking that if you know how some people have like real stinky bo, and some people don't. Yeah, that could be the same thing. It's just maybe you with some chemical makeup within your body that can cause. Yeah, but usually those smell. people are fucked up diets. Yeah, right. You usually, if you clean up your diet, you don't really smell that bad. But this is also really interesting. Have I've I must have talked to you about this before? Did I tell you about that study? I heard about it on a podcast. About the study of women that smelled the men's T-shirts. No, I don't think so. Well, oh, if you it's have so a cool. it's so interesting. So there, they did a study, and I, I'm totally paraphrasing this from two years ago listening to this podcast. So, <laughs> so it my, wasn't even T-shirts yeah. for women. <laughs> <laughs> I probably got all the facts wrong. But basically, what they did, they were testing if women um, could, through their sense of smell, find a genetic match to them so genetic they, match is in like a like family somebody, member no somebody that would make um at the strongest baby for them oh okay right, so right, the, we've you. all got like our own genetic like a deficits. pheromone type yeah thing, pheromones yeah. so they like so they had men wear t-shirts for three days or something sleep in them <laughs> and shit and and then put them in little baggies and then gave them to these women that would be the weirdest study to be a part of <laughs> yeah wouldn't it yeah and so you'd be smelling these – so they, the women were, like, smelling these T-shirts and then um, they would have to pick which one they felt was the most attractive. And most of the time, the women picked their genetic opposite, so whoever would fill their genetic deficits. So when they would make a baby, they would actually come out with the strongest offspring. So in theory – How do you – how do they measure that? I guess they look at their genes. Like but they, I mean, they yeah, look but, at like, what's, what's a genetic – so much, I guess. I guess I I don't know. We'd have to probably look at what the finer detail is, but it would be something like if you've got um a tendency to have um cancer, this person has the opposite gene to that. And so that the, would be So uh, they'd counteract each other. So right. when the baby came out, it wouldn't have can it wouldn't have that signal yeah, for cancer. Right. Or it wouldn't have um, you know, red hair. No. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I'm just come on. I'm um so yeah, so like Whatever it was, yeah. they the two of them would pair up to find to basically make the strongest yeah, okay. offspring yeah. in theory. So the person that the woman smelled would be the one. But there were women over the course of the many doing many of these studies. There were a bunch of women that just couldn't pick. They they seemed like they were picking randomly. So ah. they at a, every group they were like, well, what the fuck is wrong? Most of these women are able to do this. Most of these women have got no problem doing this. <laughs> What's wrong this. with you? Yeah, what <laughs> in the hell is going on with these mm. few women that are just kind of fucking retarded? Or <laughs> I mean, that's not fair, but whatever they are, they they're it's not working. Mm. So they got all those women back in together and tried to figure out what the common denominator was, and it was that they were all on birth control. No way. Yeah. Isn't that fucked up? Wow, so it does some sort of blocking of they can't your find smell. their genetic opposite. So like so what that has ramifications in two ways to the general population population at large. The first one is that if you fall in love with somebody 
you find and you decide you want to marry them, and you have been on birth control the whole time you've met them, or you go on birth control or you with them, um, then you go off birth control to start having kids with them. You f- suddenly realize you're not attracted to them anymore, <laughs> and you don't like them, and you never liked them. <laughs> oh, that's and it's like fuck. But what happens if you go off it? You know, you're on it and then go off it, and you're still in the same position. <laughs> like it doesn't matter. Like you still don't find anybody. Like. It well, doesn't seem to have made a difference. Oh, oh, I see. So if you're single to start with. Yeah. Well, let's let's or first primarily just talking about the people that are yeah. stuck in a relationship. So the people that were in a relationship, first of all, they the first option is that they are they're going to fall out of love with the person yeah. they're with because they're not going to be attracted to them anymore. As soon yeah. as those pheromones come in and you realize you've married your genetic not opposite or you've yeah. married someone who's going to create a, you know, genetic deficit. But then there's those ones that are not on the pill but only go on the pill because they've met that person. Yeah, and then they, and then they last. And I wonder if they have done a study on that then, yeah. on the pill of people that have met before they went on the pill to see if they, you know, how successful their relationship was at the end. Yeah, well, compared I to think those who have been on it, met someone, went off it, and then went off it. Yeah, mm. that's interesting. Yeah, I don't know if they've ever done any follow up mm. studies. The other bad news is, is obviously if people do end up staying together and still want to make kids after this, they're not actually genetically designed to have kids with each other. So then you have all sorts of problems getting pregnant. And you have to do IVF and you have to ah. do all this shit because the pe- those two bodies weren't supposed to mate. And then you end up with kids that maybe have problems, you know, like struggle. Mm. And they and they sh- they were kids, not to say there's anything wrong with those kids, but that those kids shouldn't have been made in the first place. Mm. Like, it's an interesting thing, man. It's pretty fucking crazy. Mm. Um, and well, you so- have one of those people that are lucky just accidentally found that person and, <laughs> and when he went off the pill you were like oh it's still it's still matched yeah thank god for that yeah but i i think that's really interesting so the whole reason that this uh, this came up into my head was that you were talking about um how some people's bo smells bad and some doesn't they may smell bad to you but they may smell really good to me oh yeah interesting yeah right mm. Mm. So you know like how sometimes when you're really into somebody and you like they stink or whatever, they're a bit gross, but you just do not give a fuck. Yeah. You just love you're them. Like I rub that stink all over <laughs> Just <laughs> fucking bury my face in your arm. I'm going to um, motorboat your stink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because like. Yeah, right. And so that's what it is. It's actually mm. you. Um, you probably are designed to make good babies. Mm. I think that's I mm. think that's insane, and it's like um, it's a good thing though, I guess, because it helps you have like one little indicator of maybe somebody that might be more or less better for you. You know, that, that could be something too that you like. You're trying to have that voice in your head that's telling you that they're not right for you. You're not listening to it, but they stink weird. You'd be like, oh, good, yeah, they're totally. <laughs> not right. But what's sort of, what's annoying is that I guess the that when you hung up on someone still, but that was the opposite. So when off is off. How many you How many beers? <laughs> I was off the pill, so I was like thinking, oh, maybe that was the excuse I could use. It was only because I was on the pill that's why I was into him. And now yeah. it's like, well, now I wasn't, so that's shit. <laughs> oh, so it was the same either way, whether you were on it yeah. or off it. Oh, it's probably because he's the one. Oh, yeah. no. oh, that's a, that's a sign. <laughs> <laughs> you should totally keep trying. You really should <laughs> for another three years. <laughs> You're not wasting your life. No, I not promise at all. you. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, what um, we were talking about before the I can't remember before you left was uh, oh it was that feeling of like why we seek potential mm. and like what we're looking for and what I think what I've kind of come to to realize is like we all why we love these fantasies and stuff is because we all want to like return back to that place of 
potential. Oh, that's it. Like we want to go back to that place of us just being ourselves again. Yeah. The way you were when you were a kid. Mm. Cause that's the way you feel when you're with your like, um, you know, like good, very close friends or yeah. good immediate family, the people that let you be just you. Cause remember when you're a kid and you're in the playground, it's like, you just don't give a fuck. Yeah about anything mm. like you just do stuff like and actually I don't remember that because by the time I had a memory I was already fucked up <laughs> <laughs> you already wiped that memory <laughs> yeah, I was already so insecure <laughs> as soon as I was like consciously creating memories I was insecure <laughs> but like but that's like you see kids and mm. they just they genuinely just don't care and like I think we see that in them and go damn I wish I could be that person mm. And that's what we want when we are talking about trying to find a soulmate or trying to reach your, like, find your passion in life or do, like, finally get that thing. Because that thing itself is never going to be the thing that makes you happy. It's Mm. the feeling of not needing to look anymore. Yes. Like, of being able to just stop searching. Mm. Mm. That searching is so tiring. (laughs) Draining. And it's like, it's the same thing like that we are every day we go to work and do our lives and then we want to have a vacation and then we all go, yes, thank fuck. Oh, it's so good having a vacation. But if you had vacation all the time and you never had any reason to exist, you would, you would find something else that you need to do. Mm. You know, like I, I have good friends that will be like, oh, I just I fucking can't wait for the weekend. Can't wait for the vacation. Can, cannot wait to go on holiday. And then they go and like within 10 minutes of being there, they're like, I'm bored. Yeah. And yeah. it's like. Well, what the fuck? <laughs> like, when are you ever going to be happy? Because that's what you just made me realise. Like, I actually don't care about a weekend or going on a holiday. I'm mm. so content in what I'm doing. I'm so satisfied with, yes, I man. guess, the direction that my life is going that I'm actually – people are like, oh, it's a public holiday. I'm like, oh, is it? Like, I don't even realise when, yes. when things are happening. And I think because I'm I'm so enjoying what I'm doing and exactly the same thing as, you know, I don't think I could – like, people are like, oh, you know, wait till you're a millionaire. But I'm like, I think I'd be bored. Yeah. You know, I'd need to be doing something. Well, and you'd just find something else. Like Mm. the way that your nature is. And that was so cool what you're telling me about today. Like that you've got an option to really have some money on tap to help you out with shit that you need to help with. And you're not, there's no way you're going to take it. Mm. Because you got to do what you got to do. It was prostitution, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you got a body, you got to work with it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, man, mm. like that that thing, like you just because you have your your sense of purpose and experience in your life, and this is why I like you so much and why I love hanging out with you and talking to you is that you have this ultimate drive all the time to be better mm. in every way. You're always thinking about things, thinking about ways you could be better, nicer, kinder, different, mm. smarter, faster. You know, you're always looking for improvement. It's Don't so fucking faster. cool. <laughs> well, <laughs> slow. But, uh, anyway, um. Yeah, yeah it's, it's an awesome thing, man. Because it's not a it's not a very common trait. A lot of people are comfortable to to rest, and I'll, but I think that a lot of people um, maybe are don't aren't aware of their own possibility for potential, you know. And I think like because of whatever it was in your unique mix of circumstances that brought you to who you are, you just chose, you, or you just needed to figure out what your potential was, so you did it. Mm. And you kept doing it and you liked the feeling, so you kept going. And mm. I think that's what brings a lot of people to fighting. Yeah. Is either people that have kind of lost their way with it and they need something to pull them back in. Yeah. Or yeah. people that have this desire inside them to, to figure out how to find their potential. So mm. they've just are trying avenues. Mm. Everybody, almost everybody that I've met in the Muay Thai world is kind of fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's got a story, mm. a reason 
I don't think anyone's ever, I guess, just gone, I don't know, I just felt like it. Like it's yeah. just because. But, I mean, for me though, it was it, I've never been able to articulate a reason why. Talking to you has helped me come to those realisations but before that I couldn't articulate I had no idea why. Yeah. I, my When I first stepped foot into a gym it was just because I want to hit shit. That was my reason for stepping foot into the gym and that was it. And I, I Was that the reason? reason? That was the reason you started? Yeah, well, that's what I, I said it to um, Adam Aggressor Houlihan. He was the first person I walked into the Muay Thai gym and he was like, oh, so what are you guys here for? I'm like, oh, I don't want to hit shit. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, from then on we were friends. Yeah. <laughs> we were very good friends. But... I think now though, it's like even just now I've had another realisation that I think I'd spent 24 years of pushing everything down and mm. suppressing a whole lot of my own feelings, my own thoughts, my own honesty for so long to appease other people and want to be, you know, accepted yeah. that I think it may have ju- – I don't even know how I even – why Muay Thai? I don't even know why. Oh, no, that's right, because I tried a martial art, but I don't even know how I even, because it was boxing that I first started, what what drew me to that. Mm. But then it made me realise I think it's because I spent so long, it was one thing that I could do for me that was an honest thing because nobody else was involved. It wasn't. It was outside of everything yeah. in my external world. Yeah, it's mm. like you get a little bit of control back or something. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's mm. crazy. And and but you're not alone in that. Like almost I I think every single person that makes it to 27 years old at least has got a huge history of suppressing everything mm. that's ever gone wrong and fucked up. Mm. Because we don't know how to deal with it before we get a brain. You know, and like I almost mm. feel like you don't really get a brain until after 25. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, there I mean, are some... That's when I started being more sensible. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe 30, in my 30s. <laughs> well, and you have to have, like, that. Mm. You just have to have these, like, weird fucked up periods of time because, you know, like we've always said, like, if you don't get punched in the face, you're not going to learn how to block. Yeah. You have to You have to periodically have these times. Mm. But you can't get punched in the face that many times that you get knocked out that you never learn how to block. That's it, yeah. You know, yeah. so it's yeah. always, it's just like, a, it's a matter of balance that you're always pushing yourself to test yourself, test yourself, but then learn how to protect and then test mm. yourself and learn how to protect. And where you and me tend to kind of go wrong is that we learned how to protect yep. way more because yeah. either what various hurts that we had in our childhood that we didn't know how to process or we didn't have the support maybe to help us process mm. it. So instead we just had to figure out our own way. Mm. And probably why we're kindred spirits in all of this is that we were mm. like, fuck, we'll figure it out. We'll mm. get there, we'll get there. And then all of a sudden... You know, you realize that you brought a shitload of baggage with you. Yeah. <laughs> Probably nobody wants. It's funny, a massive, a really good example that you just made me think of then was just moving house. Mm. Just this, like, what, three weeks ago. Yeah. I was so adamant of trying to do everything myself. So many people offered to help me with things and I kept telling them no. Yeah. Even when I got the van bogged. Like, I didn't want anyone, I wanted to figure it was my fault. <laughs> I did it. Everyone else has got their own shit. They're all busy. I don't want inconvenience in everyone. And I, the more yeah. I tried to resist help, the deeper I got into something going wrong and it wasn't until I kind of said, oh, fuck, just let them help you. Yeah, I just need some but help. But the overwhelming, like, oh, it was it, like feeling I had of just not wanting to let people help me, is it's crazy. I, I'm pretty bad with it, like with, in any Where aspect of my life. Where does it come from? I, I, the only thing I can ever say is I always feel like other people have got so much shit to deal with. They don't want to have to have. They don't want to have the time to deal with it for me. So you're worried about inconveniencing other people. Yeah, even if they're offering, I feel like they're just doing it and to be nice. Why do you? Why are you worried about that? 
I don't know. And it's, it's probably a feeling I've had for, for a long time. I f- yeah, I, I feel like it's – I should be able to do everything myself. I should be able to figure things out for myself. And I think that's why I chose a job. Well, I think it sounds to me a little bit – and I'm psychoanalyzing you now. <laughs> Go ahead. Pseudo-psychology. <laughs> that you saying that you should be able to do everything yourself is almost an excuse for not addressing the underlying reason why you don't want to ask for help. Mm. Because you don't want to ask for help because you don't feel worthy of help. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's like because you're because what your first answer was more like I don't I don't want to inconvenience anyone. Mm. So it's like their lives are more important than your life, mm. and that's true in a way. Like nobody, you should never be making somebody else drop everything for yeah. you, but that it's an automatic assumption that somebody shouldn't help you because they have a more important life to live is not necessarily the truth. Mm. You know, you have a very important task to move house and you've got to get this van out or this gigantic van out of somebody's bogged driveway. <laughs> and nobody's... And other people that are offering to help, they're, they're only offering because they don't have something more important to do. Mm. You know, it's not that they're offering because they're trying to be nice. They literally are... Mm they've decided that your plight is more important than theirs, but you won't accept that. Mm. I'm, I'm trying to sit here and think like earliest memories of me doing that mm. or having that feeling and like not asking for help. And because I can't even remember, I'm sure it's been as far back as I can remember that I've, wow. I've never asked for help. Like I can't remember times where I'm just like, yeah, cool, come help me. I'm always the first one to go, oh, no, no, it's cool, I'll just do it myself. But I'll even get into arguments with my family because I just want to try and do it myself. Yeah. Not that I, not that it's not nothing to do with control either. It's because I'll struggle to do whatever. I'm doing it completely the wrong way. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. I just won't, I don't, I don't know what it is. I just feel like, you know, like for instance, if my sister wants to help me with something, sometimes I'll be like, well, she's got the kids and so the whole time we're moving, all I kept thinking was, the poor kids are sitting in the car. That you know, we're well not sitting in the car, like with the windows up and in the hot sun. No, um, <laughs> like you know, they're just one sitting in the car with the doors open, the other one's running around the mud. But all I could think was, oh, they must be so bored. The poor kids. Lisa needs to be at home with the kids because yeah. you know she's got the kids to worry about. She doesn't need to be looking after me or helping me. But you know, being my sister and she's one of my best friends, like I know that she it doesn't bother her. Yeah, yeah, me. yeah. But yet, still, that whole time I've got this horrible feeling inside me that. I mean, I'm, I'm putting her life out. Then you'll come and help me with something. And then you had other things to do. And I was like, well, no, just go. Can you just go? You've got a sore knee. That's why, you know, you saw yeah, how I reacted that, to yeah, you. Yeah, like, yeah. You were like, don't touch stop it. Stop it. <laughs> Lorna, just go. Like, you know, and even the neighbour, I was like, I just feel bad. I just want him to go. So if I had my way in that situation, I probably would have let everyone just go. And then I'm trying to dig this massive big truck out of this ditch on my own and pro- and being as stubborn as I am, it probably could have taken me like three days and I still would have kept trying and yeah, not have wow. asked for help. What do you think is the like what do you think is the worst thing that can happen if somebody does give you help? Like what are you afraid of? What do you what's the loss if they There help you go. You? And that's it's it's just brought up again something else I realized when I was on my business retreat that's it's just come back again. It's the judgment. I'm I'm worried about them going walking off and being like, oh fuck, I just wasted a whole day helping uh, Melina. Yeah, but I so you're been worried about what they think of you. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because Melissa had said that to me at the retreat that a few times I had said something, it kept coming back to my fear of judgment. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's really interesting. It's like a little cycle that I'm doing now that we're talking about it is it does it keeps showing up in different ways in my life, but it, it keeps on happening. I'll find another way for it to show up. So why is it scary that someone would judge you? I don't know. Interesting question. You know, like, so that's your worst fear. But what's mm. the worst that can happen if someone judges you? I mean, my logical brain comes in and goes, nothing. Nothing, yeah, obviously, <laughs> yeah. I know. Um, it's, oh, nice, easier said than done. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> my, um, what, yeah, I guess my reality brain is, has, has suppressed it, so I don't know what the, what the like fear what is. Yeah, what of. the fear is that I have. Well, I mean, I guess not being accepted, not being liked. Yeah. Um, Yeah, because I'm trying to think, because a lot of things at the moment all come back to my business, which is not, this is not where that's all come from. So I'm trying to put myself back in before now time as to why I would have felt that way. Because obviously everything has come from earlier Mm. experiences. Well, and there's a biological reason, too, that we do it, too. Um, And we've been talking about this the other day, um, like that you you have – we're a social creature. The only reason that we've persisted as well as we have is because we know how to collaborate and cooperate with each other. Yeah. So we operate in a pack or a pack animal the same way a dog is or anything else. So it to be ousted from our group means that we die, mm. if, like evolutionarily, I suppose. So like, yeah, there's, it's natural to have that core response. There's no mm. like, you're, there's nothing fucked up or wrong with you for f- being afraid of judgment because every every single human being on the planet is. Mm. But the weird thing is, is when you would abandon yourself for the sake of some, a fear of someone else's potential <laughs> perception of you, mm. is that's when things get a bit wonky. Like yep. that's when it becomes um, uh, an issue, not. And not something that's helping you grow or whatever. No, yeah, because it's like I keep bringing myself to the feeling of just that moving day. It's not even just a like a fleeting kind of, oh, no, it's okay, whereas other people would do that and yeah. then let it go. Where it's, it's actually like an overwhelming like kind of enveloping in, like anxiety that I get. Like I, I, inside yeah. I feel so anxious because all these people are helping me. Wow. It's man. like, yeah, yeah, I feel like people are like, <laughs> yeah, it's a pressure inside you. Yeah. yeah. Mm. I um I know the exact feeling but not in the same way. I'm I think I can accept help better than you can, but I absolutely understand that feeling of just overwhelming anxiety that I Where I'm do not. you where does it show up in your life? Um It's there's two levels of it. And they are both related to the same thing. It's this feeling of being not good enough. Mm. That like everybody, everything and everything I'm working on is going to eventually lose interest for me or lose interest in me and I'm going to be lost and alone again. So like when I feel... um, I I am so worried that people are going to like me and accept me so that I can feel like I'm good enough. Mm. I need to be good enough. It's not that I need to be accepted. I need to be, um, like, I need to, uh, yeah, I need people to always tell me that I'm okay. Yeah. Kind of. When you say you feel, you're scared, you're going to feel lost and alone. Do you mean lost and alone, like, when you were in Darwin or when you were before that? Or 
Yeah, um, like purposeless, empty and hopeless. This feeling that, like the feeling of insecurity, when I feel insecure about what I'm trying to do in my life or people, like that somebody, a, a group of people that I've decided are really good and interesting and smart and funny or whatever, if they don't like me or don't accept me or notice that I'm not them, then I immediately become hopeless that there's no purpose for me to exist mm. because it goes back to this core belief that I'm not good enough. No matter what I try to do in my life, I'm never going to succeed at anything. And like, you, you know, writing this book that I'll sit here and, and write for five months on a book and then just put it back into its folder and never look at it again because I'm too big of a piece of shit to actually do anything. Mm. And that's my biggest fear is that I'm going to be stuck like... Just, yeah, so as far as, like, lost in terms of those places, that's exactly what put me in that state of depression. That's exactly what put me into drinking constantly and taking drugs constantly because I was so scared of actually trying to do anything that I just avoided it altogether. Yeah. But I couldn't avoid... I, it's like this lure, there's a pull inside me that I want it that badly. Yeah. I desperately, desperately want to do something meaningful. Mm. But I'm so scared of doing it. I'm so scared of failing. And I'm so I just constantly, I'll just stop. Mm. So I wonder where, where, where do you think that's come from though initially? Like why, because it's that feeling has driven you to drink drugs, you know, all that sort yeah, of thing. everything. But what, why originally would that be there? Um, I don't want to blame him completely because it's not his fault. But m when I remember being young and, I'm right away knowing that my dad was doing something important for him. Yeah. Like my dad is very connected to the truth of himself, mm. I guess. Well, that's how I perceive him anyway. I have no idea how he actually feels, yeah. but <laughs> inside him, it's like he made a choice from a very young age that he knew exactly what he wanted to do. And that was it. He was doing it. And he is so connected to that thing. Yeah. And he's, he just makes artwork. That's what he does. And mm. he makes his life work. And he does what he wants to do when he wants to do it, the way he wants to do it. And he's for sure got his hang-ups and weird flaws and stuff. But I, I sense this about my dad from a really young age. And then um, no matter what I did, he would eventually get bored with me. And it wasn't good enough. Because my parents are so critical. And my, and my dad is really connected to that thing. So he could tell straight away when I was doing something for attention. Mm. So I learned from a super young age, if I, wanted, if I did something to try and get attention, it was going to feel even worse than not talking to them at all. Mm. Because I, they would like call me out on my cheesiness. You know what I mean? Like if I, if I was like attention seeking. Or, yeah. And I did it constantly. Oh, I my foot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just being a... You know, like any time, like they, it, that was worse than the rejection of nothingness, of emptiness. Yeah. So, and my dad spent a lot of time on his own because he was an artist and he just did his own thing. He's quiet and introverted and that was him. So I think mm. like my whole life, I've just always wanted to figure out how to make him proud of me. You know, mm. same thing that you had. Mm. Like I just, I just wanted to figure out how to like, but it's not it's and it's not even my dad anymore because I've I've talked to him about this and I've figured out how to kind of like resolve this with him and he said it's not me. You know it's not me that you want it's you. It's this thing inside you that you want to find. And he's 100% right. I get it, but at the same time it's like I don't trust myself to get there. But I always feel like like cuz the first half of your story about your dad is pr pretty much identical to mine. Mm. But 
So if he thinks that was that you you're trying to find though, so he means from a little kid, from that age, when you were trying to, you know, you see your dad in this on this path as a little kid. Like, is he saying you were trying to find yourself as a little kid? Um, because I kind of feel like like same as you. I try not. I think I try not to blame my dad, but I'm fairly sure. Like, not that I try not to blame him. I just don't even think about it. It's not even in my thought. Yeah thoughts sort of thing but when you say that it makes me feel like well hang on you were only little like you're saying you were unlimited potential little kid yeah you don't know anything yeah so you, you don't know anybody you just yourself when you're this little kid you don't even know what's what's possible yeah yeah I mean that's an interesting point I, like as a little kid I didn't know obviously at all what I was looking for I was just looking for that feeling of connection mm. I was lonely but if you've got like our dads that like you said, they knew exactly what they wanted. Like my dad was a businessman. He knew he always had that path he, wow. and he would stop at nothing to get to it. You know, he was, he, he and he was very successful. And yeah. I guess for me, I felt like, I don't know if I was attention seeking. I may have been. I know I used to throw tantrums. I remember that. Yeah. Um, I remember trying to commit suicide when I was about 10. Wow. Really? Not trying to, but. Like putting on the show too? No, no, no. Like no one knew I did it. Oh, but really? But like almost doing it and then think realizing I'd miss my dog. That's the only thing wow. that kept me there. Wow, at so, ten? At ten. So that so stuff like that. That's that, amazing. I don't even know if my sister knows. Like, no, I don't think no one would know that. Wow. But I think though, like stuff like that. So it wasn't even stuff that was attention for his attention. But I didn't get. I never had his attention anyway. So I don't know what if if any of that's like. Like what you were saying, like, you know, I don't know if I was searching for me, but I guess I was searching for his approval and attention for life in general. Yeah. Well, you're, yeah, you're definitely seeking some kind of connection that was missing. Mm, that was missing, yeah, yeah. And I, I, that's an interesting thing is like what, um, how do we know as little kids that you're supposed to have that connection if it's never been there? Exactly. So yeah, like how did you know I that wonder, it was missing? Yeah. Mm. yeah, that's a good point. I think... And and my dad wasn't not there. Like he uh, mm. he was around all the time. He was there, but he just, you know, just I I guess attention wise he wasn't quite that's there. Same, yeah. yeah. And um, yeah. And so I think it is. You're trying to figure yourself out, and you're trying to figure out what makes what makes life worth living. And when you feel like something is off track of that, or you're not, I mean, you're also trying to find gratification, too. Like, because we're, sens- we're sensual creatures, so we want things that, like, you know, you just wa- you want someone to come up and just, like, give you a hug and tell you you're okay. And, yeah. And I don't know. I guess when that doesn't happen, you start trying to find other ways of getting it. And, mm. then, and then it becomes a pathology. Like, it becomes attention-seeking or, mm. or the same for you. Like, the, it, it becomes this void that seems to, like, cloud hang over the top of you. Be like, am I ever going to be happy? Because, you know, that's funny. When As soon as you just said those words, that to me sounds like a fluffy white cloud, like just for someone to hug me and go, yeah, it's going to be okay. Like I, I think that is, that is actually what I'm seeking. Yeah. Mm. And I think we all are men in a way. Mm. Not that I want someone to tell me it's going to be okay when it's not. Yeah, but, you know, right. But, just that but see, that's another thing. That's another level. And that's what makes you so special, man, and why I like you so much is that that – you know the difference between those two things. Mm. I know the difference between that when I do my when I create something for attention, 
Yeah. Any artwork, any writing, drawing, you know, I was talking about the the web series that I've been doing. It just feels like, ah, oh, it's gotten a bit yeah. cheesy. Yeah. It's not the same kind of gratification. I get a gratification when I really connect to something that I'm making and, mm. I'm, and I put it out there just for the, like, because it's just so fucking cool and fun to do it. Mm. And you get this real powerful feeling in your chest, like, yes, I feel connected. That's awesome. Yeah. And then you do stuff for attention and yuck, man. Yeah. It feels fucked. Mm. It feels awful. And and anytime it's the same thing of being in love mm. or like being in a relationship with someone who loves you that you don't love. It's mm. like, yeah, great, it's comfortable, it's nice, there it's warm, it's whatever, but it doesn't this is not fulfilling me. Because I know that there's something else that's more meaningful. You can tell me all day that it's gonna be okay when it's not. And that doesn't fix me. Mm. You can tell me all day that you think my painting's pretty, but that doesn't fix me. Yeah. Because I know I did it for attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not my best. Mm. You know, oh, mm. like that recent example of me having that fight and everyone telling me, no, you won, oh, you, won yeah, yeah. you did good. And it's like, no. I know full well how far away that was from my potential yeah. and how, you know, mm. how just much I was disconnected from myself and everything. Mm. And you, no amount of anyone telling you that you did okay That's is going to yeah. make you feel better. Yeah. And I had the same with that other fight that I had that was shit and I didn't want to come out from out the back. Yes. You know, and people are like, oh, no, but it was – and they, they were giving me all these excuses and I'm like, no, I literally fought shit and I now know the reason why I fought so shit, but no one else knew that. Yeah. But yet they were still trying to tell me otherwise. And I'm like, no, it, it was shit. You were okay for you to tell me it was shit. And yeah, only one and person this... that I sent it to actually said to me, oh, I can see why you're embarrassed. And I was like, thank you. Yes. Like, I just want, I also think when I sent it to her, I just wanted that validation that I wasn't being too hard on myself. Yeah. Because I, I, when I look at it, I'm like, no, it was shit. Like, well, and it is really easy to convince mm. yourself of false truths yeah. all the time. But you know, yeah, most of the time you know at your core that you're lying to yourself. Yeah. And when, and ah, oh, man, there's just nothing grosser than a lie. Mm. Like anytime. In, in every circumstance. This was why I wrote a book. The entire book is 37 chapters about how to define the truth yep. in every aspect of our lives because that, like, that is literally the worst feeling to me. It is, is yeah. Anytime you're off track, you're just not quite honest. Someone's not being honest with you, you sense it immediately. And when you're not lying to yourself, it feels fucked. And I feel, I feel like when I know someone else is lying and I know they're lying and I don't call them out on it, yeah. that feeling is just as bad, like just as bad as lying yourself. Yeah. Because you are lying because you know they're lying and you're letting them get away with it. Yeah, and you're just buying into the... Yeah, uh, yeah, and you're still let, like going along with it, you know? I know, and how nice is that feeling when someone is like really honest with you, even if they're telling you bad feedback, yeah. it, it like this allows you to be a little bit more objective about yourself and relax about yourself and not take yourself so goddamn yes. seriously. Because there's nothing worse than having yes men all around you. I mean, I've talked about this um, heaps before, but have you seen the movie This Is It? No, it's um, the Michael Jackson documentary. No, no. I use this as the example for everything because I don't know if there is a person on the planet. Maybe Conor McGregor. Well, no. Conor's got his girlfriend who's been with him since a long time before he was anybody. And so hopefully she keeps him in line. But Michael Jackson never had anybody around him that ever told him he was fucking up. Yeah, right. As far as I can tell from the video that I watched. Well, maybe as far as you can tell by looking at his face. <laughs> <laughs> Did not anybody along that time and go, hey, maybe you shouldn't, maybe you shouldn't do that. <laughs> like, seriously. Like, maybe you've gone too far. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, he's probably the prime example of a person. Ronda Rousey had it as well. 
anybody that reaches this like weird level of like fame and money and attention or whatever, they become mm. this fucking untouchable thing. And then all of a sudden they're totally disconnected from the truth, mm. totally disconnected from reality. And then, so in that, in that movie anyway, I was watching it and it was just like, at so many yes men around, constant yes men around him to the point where he literally had no conception of what he was doing. Mm. It's like he could have just been, like the emperor's new clothes, he could have been walking around with nothing on and every and everyone laughing hysterically at him, but he would have no idea because mm. no one has the confidence to tell him that he's just being a dork. <laughs> like fucking sort you it really out. You don't need to buy a 10-foot gold statue yeah, like maybe it's not a good idea to have a kid's playground in your backyard <laughs> you know like maybe, maybe you that's gonna look like weird cut off half your nose and <laughs> go white or whatever I don't know. <laughs> yeah mm. so like yeah it, it's it, it is i think the opposite of living is to live like inside some fantasy mm. it's death mm. when you're asleep you're not engaged you know yeah and that's one thing like you know like you were just saying before is it's it is a nice feeling when someone is honest with you, even though it may be uncomfortable for them to tell you that honest truth and, and it's uncomfortable to hear it. But at the same time, I always walk away feeling so much better. Like yeah. rather than having someone trying to save your feelings and go, you know, tell you this stupid lie yeah, and then you, and you know it's a lie because you can completely tell it is. But you're like, yeah. why could you not just tell me the truth? Yes, it'll hurt, but. I'm going to feel so much better about it. Yeah. Because, you know, it's, it's a clean feeling. You walk away with that clean feeling. You're like, yeah, right. Oh, that's exactly what that little voice was saying to me anyway. Yep. I knew mm. it anyway. Oh, I know. And it, it's cowardly to to not follow the truth. Mm. As scary as it is and as hard as it is. And, fuck, I know it, man. It feels so nice sometimes to be held by the wrong person. But sometimes mm. you have to tell them they're the wrong person. It mm. fucking sucks. Mm. Because you want it to be right. You know, so much of our life, I want that job to work out so that I don't yeah. have to make my own, take responsibility for myself yeah. or whatever. I want that relationship to work. I really want whatever to mm. stay in this house. But sometimes shit changes and it happens. Mm. And, and the only thing that really saves you and makes you feel better is acceptance. Mm. And you can't accept it until you understand the truth of the situation. Mm. It's funny, though, that you can have, like, you can be so accepting in some situations and not accepting in others. Yeah, like, yeah. I feel like I'm very, I'm very cruisy with a, a lot of stuff. A yeah. lot of stuff. I can just let it go. Doesn't bother me. Um, I can, I, I can adapt to change very easily. Like moving places, like travel around the country and go to a different place and live in a bloody camper van with my freaking cat. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, that I, I don't mind those sorts of things. But when it's like we were saying before, it's like some fantasy that I've got in my head. I can't. Why can't I let that go when I know I have to and I should? Right. You know, well, can't have Yeah, now, so why you know are I mean? some it's of those fantasies stickier than others? Yeah, yeah why, why do you need to help. change situation? You know, why why yeah. can't I even – why can't I do that when I realise – even though I've realised what it is, why is it so hard for me to to go, hang on, you, you know exactly what you're doing right now? <laughs> like, yeah. So just stop doing it. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. I, I mean, this know. even comes down to like – same with my drinking days and party days and that kind of thing. It's like it just took me that one thing of of well, a shit thing that happened and then to, for me to all of a sudden go, oh, that's it, I'm going to be sober now for three years and just stay sober. And, yeah. But I feel like a whole lot of that was me being stubborn because people told me I couldn't do it. Yeah. I wouldn't be able to do it because I was known to be that person that was always the most out of control. I was always the drunkest. I was, you know, always the one that came, had all the stories, but when the you know, next morning came along and 
I, I just got to a point where I was like, well, fuck you. Watch this. Watch me not do it. Yeah, you know, yeah. Now you guys all suck because, you know, you're, oh, you're all show you thinking. judging me. Exactly. Now, now judge I'm me this you. way. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, um, oh, fuck. Yeah, it's, it's, and it's funny that you can. But isn't that good that your like hypersensitivity to judgment actually cleaned you up for a few years? Yeah, but that's the thing for a few years, and then I was like, "Oh, sweet, I can I, I've got a handle on this. I can easily go out and just have one drink." Nope, just like now, and I've had four, <laughs> <laughs> and now I feel like going out. <laughs> yeah, party. It's a good thing you live with me because it'll never happen. Uh, that never used to I'm stop so me. So old and shit. I really, would just go out on my own. <laughs> like I'd wait till you went to bed, and then just get that quality. Call it, there was no Uber back then. Call a cab or just walk. Oh my God. And just go out somewhere and be like, oh, I'll just meet someone. Oh, that's so funny. Like the night that you came home from the Commonwealth Games opening ceremony with a stranger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Melissa didn't care. <laughs> she was like, yeah, sure, just take him home. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. I mean, I mean, that thing is like stuff like that would have happened back in the day. Wow. I, it really would have. Like, I'd, people wouldn't even know where I went. I'd be like, oh, I was just at some guy's house or at some hotel. Oh, don't fuck. even actually, or I'd come home and be like, I don't know where I was. <laughs> oh, God, that's so bad, isn't it? Fuck. But you got to get those times out of you. You have yeah. to. Well, I feel, it... I feel like now that I've, I'm okay. Like the few examples, and it's probably only been since I went on my trip and got back that, yeah, because I even thought one time I went out drinking when I was, well, two times actually when I was on my trip. I actually want the first time put myself to bed. The second time um, I just went home and even though I was already out, already really drunk i just went home and I would, that would never be me wow and i think maybe it took that trip for me to kind of go hey you can have a handle on this it doesn't control you you control it yeah mm. well and that's a lot of that self um self-respect thing that, like the whole point of what you did by getting in the van and doing that trip was that you listened to that voice inside yourself and and like ex- actually just accepted it and went fuck this is what i'm doing and i'm doing something for me for the first time ever probably yeah yeah yeah, for sure. And I think your body knows when you're putting poison into it and doing things that it doesn't want to do. She says as I'm drink, taking a drink. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Melina, we've been doing this for two hours or something now. We can talk. We can talk. <laughs> that was awesome, though. Um, so uh, you could probably tell the five listeners that maybe listen to this. They already know you. but <laughs> <laughs> Five listeners. <laughs> How, where can they find you? At Lorna's house. Yeah. In the bedroom next to hers. <laughs> Maybe looking through her door sometimes. Um, find me. Yeah. Uh, oh, um, like as in what I do. What do you do? You could do melinayoung.com.au. <laughs> that's really pathetic. That's my old that's Oh, my is old that that's your blog? That's my, yeah, my fight. And your fight, fight stuff. story. Um, or nrfaustralia.com.au, which is my business, Nationally Registered Fighters. What's your business about, just in case anyone doesn't know? Um, well, I'm sure the five people listening don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a, 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 a online um, membership business for uh, matching fighters in combat sports, so Muay Thai, MMA, boxing, kickboxing. Um, we match fighters around Australia and help to promote them and also help trainers to find fights for their fighters and promoters to fill their cards and get bums on seats. Yeah. And... So you've got a, pink, a finger in a lot of pies. Yes. <laughs> I like pie. <laughs> <laughs> and fingers. <laughs> Why go there? <laughs> oh, cool. So nrfaustralia.com.au. That's yep. your business. NRF on Facebook. Nationally NRF. Registered Fighters on Facebook. Well, it's NRF Australia oh. on everything. Instagram, Facebook. Cool. I branded. 
You're so branded. <laughs> you are so branded. Well, it was fucking awesome talking to you, and I'm happy that I live with you. I'm happy that you live with me. I live with you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy with me too. <laughs> We're happy with each other.